be here this morning. Oh, good. You all smiled when you, when you said that, so I believe you. That's really good. Now, what I want to know is this. Who are... We don't need any words on yet. Thanks. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say when we wanted the words, and uh, we don't need them yet. But while they're there, we'll just uh, leave them there, because that's all right, isn't it? We'll leave them there. But just selective seeing. You don't need to sort of read that yet. I know some of you are really good with words. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at some slides, and we're going to try and think about what words we can use to describe describe things and people. Now, there's a remote control, but it doesn't work. So that's why every so often I'm looking at Paul, and if he's not looking at me, it might be a little bit delayed. So we're all going to pray for Paul that he's going to be looking at me all the time. All right? So that, that's going to be good, because when I give him direct eyesight, I'd like that to change. That would be real good. Thanks, Paul. There's a thumbs up from me to Paul. He's given it to me already. So that's great. So I want to know then if we can describe some, use some tingling words, some superlative words about these different slides that are going to come up. Here's the first one then. How would you describe this person? This is interactive this morning. If I, <laughs> if I just sort of have a little pause and I'm looking your way, I would like a response, please. Fast, Fast right. Any more words? Give me a few words. Confidence. Now a runner knows what a confidence runner is, yeah. Any more words? Happy. Happy. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Dedicated. Dedicated. Alan. Powerful. And the word is, I've thought of, what do you think? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Is that a superlative tingling word in your book? Yeah, okay. By the way, on our website already are all these slides and lots of words about the outline of what we're talking about this morning. So if you want to have a look at that while we go, you're very welcome to if you want to. How about the next one? Oh, oh just a minute. Oh. <laughs> have you ever had a good holiday? Describe some of your good holidays. Looking at that slide, it's romantic. Oh, okay, well, well. <laughs> yes, it's romantic. Anything else that you describe your holiday? What's your best holiday? Give me a, a tingling word about your holiday. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, that's a lovely word there, Margaret. Thank you. Anyone else want to give us a word about any holiday you've been on? This was Turkey three years ago, by the way. Superlative. Superlative. Great. But give us some more words. We can think of some good words between us. Restful, by the way, it doesn't need to be in English. So if you're thinking of some really cracking Korean word that describes, or Spanish, or French, or anything else, just say the word, it's fine. Okay. Oh, yes, what do you think? That is a great word. What does it mean? Incroyable. And what? Incredible. Yeah, great. Okay, and the word I've put is... Yeah, fantastic. You can't get much better than that word, can you? So that was what, how I felt about that. Now, I love food. So if we look at the next slide, tiramisu, brilliant, chicken madras, brilliant. What about you? What's, what gets your palate going? Pavlo. But give me some words. So tell me what the, tell me what the, so, so tell me what your dish is, but then tell me what your adjective is as well. 
Yummy delicious, love that. So give me some more words that describe some food that you like. Oh, wow. That's a great word, isn't it? Any more, any more? Spinach leaves. Spinach leaves. Yeah. Oh, great. This is... We're all going round Maggie's house later, aren't we? Okay, and what I've put is... Exquisite. Beautiful. So you can go to a lovely restaurant and have some exquisite food. Now, you know I work in music, so... Tell me about some beautiful music that you've heard. Tell me some good words. Moving, yeah. Any more? Any more words? Inspiring. Yeah. So all these sort of things, and the word I've said is outstanding. Oh, the way they played that sonata was outstanding. Or, oh, the way he sang that song and played the piano or did his guitar, outstanding, brilliant. Now, some of us have got hobbies. We all do kinds of lots of different things. Here's a hobby. Now, you know about fishermen, they sort of say, it was that big. So I thought if I get this picture of Paul, he can't sort of say, it was that big, when it was really this big. But name me some of your words about your hobbies. What sort of hobbies do you do? Give me a couple of words, adjectives that are really tingling words. All consuming. All consuming, right. Give me some more words. Relaxing. Relaxing, that's a lovely word, isn't it? Fascinating, yeah. Any more? Challenging. Challenging, yeah. Anyone from this side? It seems to be a bit quiet over here at the moment. <laughs> I'd like to cook the fish. <laughs> yeah, and there's another word as well? Refreshing. Refreshing, great. And the word I've put is... <laughs> Unbelievable. So, that's the word there. So, these are all hobbies and things that we have and with things we think about with music... But what about if we think about words that describe God? There's all kinds of words we could use, but the trouble is our vocabulary isn't good enough. We might, we might sort of think about, so we might sort of think of our, our vocabulary and say, well, I've been to university, or I've been to Nuneaton Tech, or I've been here, or I've been there, and my vocabulary is really good. <coughs> But the problem is, it's not just our vocabulary that isn't good enough. It's our language to describe God that isn't good enough. Because we've only got a finite language. We've only got so many words in the dictionary. And we can think of the best word to describe God, but it wouldn't be good enough. We could think of lots of words to describe God, but it wouldn't be good enough. And it doesn't matter what language we speak in. It could be... Uh, Polish, Italian, German. It could be an intergalactic Klingon or Hortiz or anything like that. Or it could be a made-up language, Esperanto. Any of these languages we could speak, but none of them are good enough to say, God, you are and truly and fully express how big God is, how good God is, how brilliant he is. Sometimes I've heard people say that we can put God in a box by the way that we act, by the way that we're thinking. I don't think that's true. I don't think we can ever put God in a box. I think the next bit is more true. 
I think sometimes by the way we think, the way we pray, the way we praise and worship, we're putting the church in a box. And we know what the church is. Us. Just by the way we consider who God is, sometimes I know in my own heart, in my own life, I'm putting myself and all of you in a box. I saw a cartoon a few days ago. I won't say it in the funny words, but it says, What's wrong, Jesus? You said you wanted a church for your birthday. Yeah, I did, but I'm having trouble getting it out of the box. (laughs) And perhaps that's where we might be at the beginning of this year, that perhaps we're in a box. God isn't. He's too massive, too brilliant, too fantastic, too superlative to be in a box. But what we want to do over these next few weeks in January and February is to consider who God is a little bit more. It was interesting because earlier, I wrote it down on a piece of paper, Fiona prayed and she says, oh yes, thank you Lord, that will be uh, discussing and looking about you, but we won't even touch the surface of what God is. We're going to be doing it for two months. And if we look at the next one, we're thinking about following God. And so if you look at the diamond, this is the symbol I want us to be thinking about over the next few weeks. You look at a diamond, whatever size it is, and there's facets, and you look at it and you think, oh, that's a gorgeous one. And then you turn it round, and there's another one. And you can just see on this diamond, we could be, for the next year, be talking about God every day and still not scratch the surface. We'll still be just beginning to understand about God. So in a two-month series on a Sunday morning, we're not going to get that far, but I want, as I, I want our appetites to be wet. So we just think, yes, I want to read more about God. I want to discover more about God. But especially, I want to know God better. Because there's books that we can read, and on the internet, on our website, there is a list of things that you can, a list of books that you can read if you want to. And you might think of some other ones that you might sort of think are really good to have as well. But it might be good if you want to sort of just think about what the people are speaking about over the next few weeks, because it's all listed. If you want to look on the internet, you can see who's speaking next week, who's speaking the, after, the week after, and it's going to be all these subjects. That God is faithful, God is creative, holy, jealous, God is love, glorious, not silent, he's the omnis. So all of these things we're going to be thinking about over the next few weeks. And you're welcome to look at some of the reading material if you want to, that's on the website, and just read a book about it as well, because then it might just whet your appetite when you're at home. This gentleman called Derek Kidner, he said this, Worship must be more than flattery and more than guesswork. It is the loving homage of the committed to the revealed. Worship must be more than flattery and more than guesswork. It is the loving homage of the committed to the revealed. And that was Derek Kidner. Most Sunday mornings, you will hear the bell ringing. What does it tell you? Time to go into church. Does it tell anyone anything else? It tells quite a few things, I think, doesn't it? Drink up. Drink up, yeah. That's it, drink up, exactly. 
Anything else it says? To me, when I hear this, I think it's time to worship. Both of these things are true, very important. But when I hear the bells going, I'm starting to get excited. Because we've practiced the songs already, and, but now it's going to happen. We are here to worship God. And so when I hear the bell go next door, I'm thinking, fantastic, and all the tingling superlatives. I'm thinking, great, what's going to happen this morning? How are we going to meet with God? What psalm might be read, or what verse from scripture, or what testimony might someone give? I'm excited when I come to church, but the thing is, I'm not excited enough. Now, Jill might not agree with that, but I tell you, when I come to church, I want to be like it was in the book of Acts. When you just think, we're turning up to worship God together, what's going to happen? Who's going to get healed? Who's going to get saved? Who's going to get baptised? Who's going to see again and have never seen in their life? Who's going to sort of just... Get, become a new creation. All these old things were holding them down and now they've become a new creation. I want to be more excited about church. And I think that would be a good thing as we look at these attributes of God over the next few weeks. So we want to think about, yes, Lord, excite us for who you are. Excite us as we meet together. So that as we are a family of believers, a family, an adopted family into Christ, so we can experience God together in a new way. This is what we're speaking about today, though. Now, if you were sort of uh, listening or reading the last verse of crowning him with many crowns, you'd have read, ineffably sublime. Because that's the only hymn I know with this word in. So I thought, oh, we've got to have it. Now, you might be thinking, that's a really big word, but just remind me what it means. I'm going to remind you what it means unutterable or too great for description in words too great for description in words and you might be thinking and that would be very relevant if it's too great to describe in words that's where the talk's going to finish your sermon you can just go and sit down now because if you can't put it into words and you're this, this is the word we're using then that's it we've we've heard it all but i'm going to try my best <laughs> I'm going to try and say a few things that together we're going to sort of say, yes, I can sort of understand a bit because I understand a teeny, teeny, teeny bit about God, don't you? And we can all encourage each other over these next few weeks to learn more. And so once we've listened to someone speaking from the front and we can just worship together for 30 or 40 minutes and just say, Lord, you're wonderful. You're amazing. I adore you. Thank you for being whatever that word is for us today. If you're here on Christmas Day, you'd have heard Paul speaking about something about this. And that was 2 Corinthians 9.15. And it says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, different versions have different ways of describing it. It's all on the website. So all you need to do is just have a look on the website, on the Listen Again 2016 page, and you'll, hit, you'll see different versions about uh, that verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So I want us to think about three reasons why God might be ineffable. And the first reason is because of who he is. 
God is ineffable because of who he is. Who's the oldest person you know? Don't mention anyone in this room. Are they 100? A bit older than that? A bit younger? 106? Brilliant. That's great, isn't it? There's four people alive in the world who were born in the 19th century. God was at their birth. He was with Queen Victoria when she became queen in 1837. He was at the Battle of Agincourt, 1415. He was with King Alfred when, or maybe he didn't, burn his cakes. That was in the 4th century. He goes back even further than that. God was before the beginning of time. Wow. Many people are good with their hands. Cooking, uh, building, making music, knitting, painting. And there's lots of paintings and things of a sunrise or a sunset. But do you know anyone who's ever made a sunrise or a sunset? Do you know anyone who's made an ant, but also made the planet Jupiter? Do you know anyone who's made a massive mountain with sort of uh, big, sort of pointy bits, pointy bits, uh, peaks, you know, peaks and things like that, and big crevices, and all amazing mountains. But it's also made a flower that smells beautifully. Do you know anyone like that? Yeah. Our God is everywhere. Already, there's been millions of people worshipping God in places like India, Korea, Australia, Zambia, Kenya, and dozens of other countries. He's been in all of the services. And he's not had, had jet lag. He's there. He's fine. He's here now. He's going to be with the other people that are going to be worshipping in Sierra Leone, Paraguay, Chile, Canada. All the services that are to come. He's, he's going to be listening. He's going to be saying, oh, my people are worshipping me all over the world. God never changes. What's popular on television changes. I liked Zed Cars when it was on. <laughs> I liked all sorts of things. How? That was a really good, good, uh, good sort of uh, programme. But some things that were popular years ago aren't popular now. Things change. Some things that are popular in other countries on television aren't popular in this country. It just doesn't work. Hebrews 13, verse 8, from the Amplified says, Jesus Christ is eternally changeless, always the same yesterday and today and forever. God never changes. James 1, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, Neither shadow, neither shadow of turning. And when I read that, it just reminded me of a hymn that all of us, I'm sure, know. That there's no shadow of turning. 
Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee, James 1.17. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. But the amazing thing is that God is massive and brilliant. But he's also the most humble. If I was like that, I'd be a bit like this, smiling, maybe, and just thinking, oh, yeah, everything's brilliant, everything's lovely. But maybe go a bit too far with my sort of happiness about that. But God is brilliant because he's amazing, but he's humble. I think it was Manji who on Christmas morning read Philippians 2 for us. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Something I've been thinking about this week is the next part. It's not just God is ineffable because of who he is, but God is ineffable because he loved us. And the amazing thing is that his love for us isn't from a surplus of love that he has. He didn't just decide to himself, oh, I've got a lot of love spare. I think I'll give it to the world. It's not a surplus of love that he has. God is love. It's the fullness of love that made Jesus come to the cross, come to the earth and die for us. It's not God had loads and so he gave a bit to someone else. Just like maybe uh, when we do the food uh, in the... Entry. Yeah, there's a word for it. I'll think about the word later. You know what I mean. The food bank. Thank you. Food bank. Sometimes we give a bit because we've got a bit left over. And we just say, oh yeah, I'll I'll put another tin. There's a spare tin in my cupboard. I'll give a tin for it. But God's not like that. God says, because I love you, I'm coming to die for you. To give you a new life. He didn't have it spare. He had it in him. God is love. We know lots of verses like John 3.16. Brilliant verses. Here's another one that I know you'll know. Romans this is. Romans 5 verses 6 to 8. And again, you know it. This is what it says. At just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. That's just an amazing love, isn't it? 
that we were his enemies. But out of the fullness of his love, he said, I'm going to sort that mess out. They don't know it yet, but they need me. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to make them new creations. I'm going to adopt them into my family. It's not just that he is ineffable himself or because he loved us, but it's he still loves us. The incarnation wasn't the end of God loving us. You might be familiar with Psalm 139. Here's a little bit from the message. Oh yes, you shaped me first inside then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvellously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life were all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Think about Luke 12, verse 17 as well, how much he loves us. You might sort of remember how Jesus was talking about that he knows even the number of hairs on our head. And from a lot of us, that's 120,000 hairs that we have on our head. And I was expecting in the Amplified, because this is what the Amplified says. It says, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are far more valuable than many sparrows. I was expecting the Amplified to say, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. One, two, three. But it doesn't say that. So, so if you look for the Amplified and try and think they're going to go from one to 120,000, it doesn't do that. But that's what the impression I had. I was thinking this week about Jesus' voice, and I could just imagine how he called out the name Lazarus. Or he might have said Peter, or Matthew, or John, or some of the other disciples. And maybe when you're at home this afternoon, or later today, listen to that voice. Listen to him say your name. He's going to say it just how he was saying it in biblical times. He's got the same voice, the voice of love, of compassion, of strength. Listen to him say your voice. Psalm 56 verse 8 in the message says, You've kept track of my every toss and turn through the sleepless nights. Every tear entered into your ledger, every ache written in your book. And some of us do toss and turn at night. I do sometimes, we all do. And that really got to me, thinking, he's there with me in my sleepless nights. And I don't have that many. Probably you might have more than me or less. But with our tears, he holds them in a bottle. Here's another version. Again, it's all online. It's all on, in the, uh, on the website. You yourself have recorded my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your records? Just think about it. When we're crying, when we're upset, when something's not going well, Jesus is catching our tears. 
Jesus is collecting them in his bottle and he's saying, I love you. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. In your wanderings, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I've been married to Jill for 218 weeks. And often we think quite similar things that we might just sort of say, oh yeah, like I'm just sort of thinking something in my head. And then she just comes out with it. And I say, wow, that's pretty amazing. But then sometimes I might say something to Jill and she looks at me quite shocked. Like, where did that come from? And so with all of us, with our relationships with people, we might have close relationships where we kind of think similar things. And then sometimes where the person just says something you just didn't expect at all. It's reassuring that God knows us all. God knows everything about us. God knows that we, like, we might have something strange in our mind. He knows it. So he's not shocked by us. He knows that what we've got, we, we want to follow him with our whole heart so often. So God still loves us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He, he talks to us. Listen to him uh, say your name. He, he's with us in our sleepless nights. He, he holds our tears. He collects our tears. But what's our response to all of this? We've all got a response. So what's our response? That's just a bit at the bottom. So what's our response going to be? Sometimes, I don't get it every day, but sometimes at the beginning of the day, I've woken up before Jill does, maybe, or after, who knows, but I just say, thank you, Lord, for today. Good morning. I want to just, right from the start of the day, acknowledge that God is there. It doesn't matter now, because that's the last one anyway, Paul, so that'll be okay. And just switch it all down, if you like, rather than having words, that'll be good. Thank you. So at the beginning of the day, I say to him, Lord, thank you for today. And I remember about Acts 17, verse 28. In him we live and move and have our being. And sometimes at the beginning of a day, I might sort of think of a psalm in my head or I might think of a verse like that. And I'll say, Lord, today, will you be in my living, in my moving and in my being? Just right at the start of the day, I want my response to God be, Lord, you've given me all these great things. I want to say, Lord, be part of my day right at the start. We can see lots of responses to God, and I've made a list online that you might want to read about how people respond to God, and some different characters in the Bible, if you're interested. One word I was thinking of, and lots of Psalms say this, is the word hallelujah. So you could say hallelujah at the start of the day. It's not a word you can say, hallelujah, is it? Well, you sort of, you've just woken up, hallelujah. You've got a... Hallelujah! And it's really ex- a really great word because we know it means praise Yahweh, but I was reminded this week that Hallel means excited boasting. And so when we're saying hallelujah, we're excitedly boasting about God. We're saying hallelujah! Oh, it's, it's like uh, when you're sort of so excited about something that you just think, I want to tell everybody. You can remember back to those sort of, well, perhaps you sort of think about some things already, where there's something in your life, you just think, yeah, I want to tell people about that. 
I've read dozens of books on how to play the piano. I've got dozens of books of pieces that I could play at the piano. But the trouble is, if I just read those books or sit at the piano and open the book, that's not what the books are made for. If I'm just sitting at the piano and just looking at a piece of music and saying, that's brilliant, oh, that's a real good unturner page, or that's an even better page. That's not what playing the piano is about, just sitting at it or reading a book about playing the piano. I think that's just what Christianity is like sometimes in my life. Sometimes I can hear someone saying, yes, do this, do this, and I think, yeah, that's a good idea. And I'll just sit down and just say, yeah, that's a great, great word this morning. That was really encouraging. And sometimes I'll go home and put it into practice and feel that's real good and lovely. And sometimes I'll just think, yeah, that was great. And forget all about it. This week I've read about two dangers. Michelangelo said, the greater danger for most of us lies not in setting your own, our own aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. I've read about another danger this week. I can't remember who said this, but he said, the greatest danger the world faces today is not radical Islam. The greatest danger the world faces today is lukewarm Christianity. Today, we can say, Lord, I want to come out of the box. The box we were thinking about earlier. Lord, I want to be going with you, not just today. It's a fresh start today. It's a fresh way of you sort of thinking, oh, it's a new year. But tomorrow, Lord, I want to follow you. One more quote. It was the 30th of May, 1792, and it was at a Baptist church in Nottingham. And the minister was pre preaching on Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. Many of you will have heard of this. And he said two main points. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. And that was William Carey. And he was the father of modern missions. So my challenge to me today is to remember those two dangers. The dangers of just being sort of setting our heights around here and saying, yeah, I'll do this for God, or I'll do that. I'm doing it. I want to set my heights high. I want to encourage you to set your heights high as well, to set the targets high if you want to. So together, as a church, we can go and, and let people know about him. We can say to people that are looking for the way, the truth, and the life, follow God, and our lives will be, without words even, our lives, just by our actions, will be pointing people to God. So for the next 35, 40 minutes maybe, we're just going to be thinking about some of those thoughts that we've been thinking about today. But we're going to be taking communion, we're going to be worshipping together, we're going to be thinking, yes, God is ineffable, God is all these things. We can't describe God, and yet we want to bless him, we want to say thank you, Lord, for being who you are. Thank you, Lord, for being 
you. Thank you for loving us, for taking care of us. So we're going to pray, and the children are going to come back in a moment. When they hear us singing, they'll know it's time to come, and we're going to uh, worship together. So Lord, we thank you that you are alive. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Lord, that you know us through and through. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you came to die for us. And you had those 30-odd years on earth before that as well. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. We take your hand, Lord, and say, lead us on. Help us be close to you these coming weeks and months. Because, Lord, we want to be your followers, be your disciples. Amen.